0: This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for smartphone, tablet and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com/trekfM. And also by Enterprise in Space. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter. visit Enterpriseinspace.org. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello, Standard Orbit listeners. This is Norm, as Chief fondly calls me, the Commodore. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to actually get some of my thoughts down on Star Trek 2009 and Star Trek Into Darkness, because I've been unable to actually participate in some of the later shows uh, that have just been published. And I hope that I can at least give my perspective on these two movies, because for me personally as a Star Trek fan, I had a little bit of a rough start with 2009 and not so much into darkness, but 2009 was actually a very interesting journey for me. So as the chief suggested while I was publishing at Standard Orbit episode 133, he said, why don't you take the opportunity to actually share with the listeners some of your thoughts? So I guess this will be the Commodore's Supplemental for all of you. And thanks for indulging me on this, because there are a lot of emotions that I have wrapped up in 2009. Actually, one of those emotions to start off this was a little bit of shame. And I'll be completely honest with you. I was irrationally upset when I first saw the first trailer to Star Trek 09. And I do believe that was the trailer that had the... The construction crew putting together some of the skeleton pieces of the new enterprise, of the Kelvin-era enterprise. And I will adopt that phrase, Kelvin-era, because that is now the, uh, the canon phrase for the Abrams-verse or the new Trek going forward. So when I saw that preview, literally the very first thought to my mind was, how dare you, how dare you do this? Who do you think you are, J.J. Abrams? Who do you think you are, Robert Orsi and, and Kurtzman? I mean, even right now, thinking about it, it kind of returns me back to a point where, as a Star Trek fan, I really do feel a little bit of shame feeling like that because as an original series fan, and all of you out there know how much I love the original series, I should be or should have been embracing infinite diversity and Infinite Combinations. I have preached that so many times on the Babel Conference that applying that to myself, and at least in 2009, was a huge sticking point for me, because the original series, to me, that is that is sacred ground for me. Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Uhura, Chekhov, Scotty, Sulu, and the original NCC-1701, that is hallowed ground for me, as it is for many fans out there for Star Trek. So, When I heard the rumors that a new Star Trek was going to be developed for the next movie, and then I saw that preview, I was like, well, why not continue with Deep Space Nine? It's the right time. Why not continue with Voyager? Because we saw Admiral Janeway in Nemesis in 2002, and we haven't had a motion picture since Nemesis. And then Enterprise ended in 2005, so literally... We did not have a motion picture for almost seven years and any Star Trek property on TV or film for the next four, past Enterprise. So why not bring in one of those properties and continue the story from either Deep Space Nine or Voyager? It would be the perfect time for them. The development would be right. And the hunger for those audiences, the two biggest audiences, well, arguably the three biggest audiences of Star Trek in that in, since the 1980s were next generation a seven-season series, and subsequently Deep Space Nine and Voyager, both also seven seasons. That's 21 years of Star Trek right there, literally, like consecutively and right on top of each other. So now why not develop those? Why go all the way back to the original series and reinvent the franchise, not even necessarily reboot it? So I had to take a long time and, and reconcile the fact that I can't do anything about it as a fan. I guess I could have joined the collective voices and petition against it, but that's not who I am as a fan. So I decided to play along as nicely as I could. But I wasn't out there going, yeah, you." I'm really excited about 2009. Wow, what a really good idea to restart the original series. Because I didn't believe it. As a fan, I didn't believe it. And as a fan of the original series, I didn't want it. But I think it was the second or third trailer where it was the voiceover by Captain Christopher Pike that said, I dare you to do better to Chris Pine's Kirk. And then it was the motorcycle driving up to the Enterprise on the dry dock shipyards that that sold me. And I know there are a lot of issues with fans saying, like, you know, why was the Enterprise developed there? Yada, yada, yada. That's not what I want to get into. What I want to get into was the spirit of promise that these trailers now have given me. This newness and a little bit of hope where I didn't have any before. Because I felt that now I'm starting to see a little bit more of the development of what's going on with this movie. Am I still on board with it? At the time, no. I can honestly say I wasn't. But I wasn't nearly as as furious, I think, as a fan As I was when I saw that first trailer And by the time it actually rolled around By the time my friend said Norm, you're the biggest Star Trek fan that I know And there were about 10 to 12 of us That wanted to go at the midnight show They asked me if I wanted to go I said, no, I don't want to go And then one of my really good friends, Tim Bennett He looked at me and he goes I can't believe you're saying this, Norm. I really can't believe you're saying this. We're all going, and we're not even Star Trek fans per se. You know, we, we like the movies and we like the TV shows, but you, you of all people, you should have been the one that was leading this party and, and getting us all together and psyching us up to go see this movie. There's Star Trek posters on your wall. You have Star Trek props and toys and costumes all over your, your den in, in, your, in your captain's quarters, if you will. And that actually really, that struck a chord with me, and that's where I really felt really ashamed about, about my attitude towards 2009. Because in being a fan, and I don't like using the term true fan, I think that's too much of a, of, of a limiter on things in a, in a positive and negative way. But being a fan of Star Trek, to me, is embracing all of the aspects of Star Trek If not in total, then at least once. Try it at least once. So I said, you know what? How bad could it be? I'll go see it. I'll be able to make a more educated opinion and decision about it and see if I want to be behind this new series, behind this new movement of Star Trek, or I can just revert back to the Star Trek that I have, the original series, the original cast movies, and I'm okay with that. And, and I do like Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and Voyager, and I obviously love Enterprise as being one of the former co-hosts for Warp 5 here on Track FM. So I said, okay, I'll try it. Why not? You know, what's the harm? It's only one showing, and I'll be done with it. You know, I'll, I won't be a hypocrite anymore, and I'll feel a little bit better about myself as a fan. So midnight rolls around, and the movie lights, theater lights dim, and... The blackness of space, it was just, there was something that actually was right almost at the very beginning for me, and I, I didn't I didn't anticipate that. And then I heard a signature sound effect, and then I saw the Kelvin, and I said, wow, this is, and a really nice shot, of the, a beautiful passing shot of it. And I said, this is really interesting. This has got my attention. I'm not sure where this is going to go, but this has got my attention. So... Not to belabor the plot uh, further, because everyone that's listening to this knows 2009 well enough, the opening establishing scene of the sacrifice of George Kirk, the birth of James T., how that origin story unfolded, the beauty of the filming, and the gorgeous score by Michael Giacchino, just... it. It actually took me to tears how good that opening scene was. And that's what I was waiting for to reconcile the two parts of my fandom with the original series and how I felt about that and how I felt with the lead up going into this theatrical new Star Trek. And then the rest unfold it was great from there. It was a great ride. There was a lot of interesting plot points going on. The music was fantastic. The design was phenomenal. I loved every single thing about 2009, and I afterwards became a pretty large champion of it. I know that most original series fans would probably be asking or scratching their heads and saying, Norm, how can you, how can you reconcile the two? How can you be a fan of the original series and of William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and DeForest Kelly, Nichelle, Walter, James, George, all of the original designers. How can you be a fan of that era and be a fan of 2009? And it's quite honest, really, when you think about it as a fan. I don't compare the two together. I believe that my Star Trek, the Star Trek that brought me to this particular point in my fandom, is one entity, and the Kelvin era of Star Trek is another entity and I can enjoy them both separately and equally at the same time because it is a time travel era. It is a re- reinvented franchise. The characters that we knew are different versions of the characters that we are now seeing. Case in point, I felt that what George Takei was saying about Sulu now coming out as a gay character I can appreciate what he was saying, but I can also appreciate what Simon Pegg is saying. The Sulu of the Prime Universe is a Sulu of a different cut and mold. The Sulu of the Kelvin-era universe is also of a different cut and mold because these characters have been affected by a new timeline. They are both valid characters. They are both equal characters in terms of their representation. They are both brilliantly performed. And they are their own identities. This is how I treat Star Trek now. Because it is unfair to both properties, in my opinion, to compare the two against each other. That's not what Star Trek is about. Star Trek is about finding that story and how that story relates to you. How that story uplifts you and gives you that positive promise of what humanity can become. Does it work for you in the Kelvin era? Or doesn't it? That's up to you to decide. But putting it and pitting it against one another isn't what Star Trek is about. It's a celebration of diversity. It's not about what is better or what is worse. And that's that's where I really had to come to terms with my fandom. And I think that I have grown through that. And I think a lot of you have done so as well because we are at different times in our fandom affected in a very emotional way. And for Star Trek 2009... It cut me very deeply to think that my Star Trek, the original series, was being supplanted by something completely new. And I was looking at that in the completely wrong way. I should have been looking at it at the beginning as something to be celebrated and not something to be separated. And I lost out as a fan on a lot of the momentum leading up for it. Now, I changed my philosophy completely when it came to Star Trek Into Darkness. Star Trek Into Darkness was a really interesting journey for me because I knew that we had the original cast members back. When I say original cast members, the cast members from 2009. But then we have this new, powerful, and very high-profile actor in Benedict Cumberbatch coming to the scene there were rumors of, is it Khan? Is it not Khan? And I have said this on record many times on many different shows on Standard Orbit, that Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan is, without a doubt, my favorite movie of all time, of all time, regardless of a Star Trek movie or not. I've loved that movie ever since 1982. It has made... Probably the strongest impression on me is how I look overall at my fandom and even some parts of my life because one of my all-time favorite quotes is the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And I have applied that many times to my own philosophy. So taking a look at Into Darkness and the rumor of it possibly being Khan, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, I was all for it. I was 100% all for it. Because why not? Now, I know a lot of you out there are kind of trying to reconcile that with me. Like, how can you say that Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan is your favorite film of all time and accept that Into Darkness can be and deliver what it did in trying to assimilate Khan into this story? Why not? What's wrong with that? I find it absolutely Incredibly challenging to try and accept something like that. And in the challenge comes a lot of growth and acceptance. Is it my con? No. Is it the con for a new audience? Absolutely. Is it a right or wrong? That debate that's that's a very debatable point. But what I do appreciate about what they did was that they are challenging the source material and trying to make something that is one recognizable to Not just Star Trek fans, but to a greater audience. And also trying to to change and evolve this new Kelvin timeline into something unique. Now, there are arguable points about Into Darkness regarding site-to-site transport, the way that technology works, the way that it has become more of an action-adventure-oriented story and a revenge story, and a story that has really nothing to do with the ethics and the the growth and the internal struggle of humanity that usually Star Trek is all about. But if you take a look at Star Trek Into Darkness from 2009, it really is an interesting study of the human condition from a base level. That's what I liked about Star Trek Into Darkness. It wasn't the journey outward as so much to me it was the journey inward. Humanity is supposed to have have grown since, you know, since... Uh, the, basically, the, the the eugenics wars, World War III, the birth of the Federation, the evolution of warp technology, everything that we saw in Enterprise and moving forward. The Federation is supposed to stand for something greater. But what I've always liked about these movies is that there is a greater sense of realism in terms of how humanity has evolved. I personally believe in my fandom that there are going to still be essences and echoes of humanity, today's humanity, in the future. I don't think that that we are going to be able to erase a lot of that, the DNA that makes us humans today in 150 to 200 years. I just don't think that all of humanity is going to evolve that way, especially since the eugenics wars and World War III and pocket wars in the midst of all of that happened so close to the birth of the Federation. It was the it was the growth of Starfleet and the collective pool of human evolution at that time making that decision that gave us the Federation or Starfleet in the first place. And it really wasn't that long ago. So I know that it's always been Star Trek's tenant to look forward and to develop us as a species for a greater part of our evolution. But what Star Trek Into Darkness showed us that there still are parts of us that still need to find that, to grow with that, and to evolve with that because it is purely a vengeance movie, a revenge movie. It was Kirk and his vengeance against Khan. It was literally the, the opposite of the wrath of Khan because Khan himself wasn't seeking vengeance per se as a villain. Kirk was trying to exact revenge on what happened during the attack of on all of the Federation and the destruction of Federation headquarters. To me, he basically was challenging the Star Trek mantra at every single step of that movie to the point where even Scotty himself was like, we're, we're supposed to be explorers. We're not supposed to be military. You know, what are these photon torpedoes, these advanced technology photon torpedoes doing being loaded onto my ship? to the point where Kirk's like you're dismissed. Kirk became so irrational with his hatred that he wasn't following the the tenets of Starfleet. And as an audience, we were kind of taken aback like what is this? How can this be? I agree. We all agree with Scotty. It's like we are supposed to be explorers. Let's get back to exploring space. And I think throughout the course of that movie to the very end, we understand that yes, we have lost our way. Even in Kirk's final words, we have to return to what the tenets of Starfleet are all about to explore and to boldly go and to embrace the fact that we're not supposed to be mired in this type of mentality, in the violence, in the vengeance, and in, in collapsing inwardly as opposed to exploring outwardly. And I think that in understanding that, that that's what made Into Darkness more successful to me than than I think than more most people like in the audience, especially those that saw it as being quote unquote a blatant ripoff of Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. There are points that are obviously arguable that were lifted from Khan and reversed. Obviously, the scene where Kirk and Spock were separated uh, in the warp drive chamber that was echoes of what happened in The Wrath of Khan. And yes, I can, I can see where people were upset with that. They have every right to be. That's your interpretation of what happened, and that's how this movie affected you. But for me, I saw that as a bold, endearing choice to re-engage an audience that has known Star Trek for so long to the point where I'm not even sure if if it resonates with them in the way that it should resonate with them. And what I mean by that is we've seen and have grown so accustomed to what Star Trek is that we aren't comfortable anymore in challenging ourselves in what Star Trek could be. And I think that this movie really just pinned that down for me and said, you know what? This isn't the Star Trek that you know, but this is the Star Trek that new audiences shall come to know and understand. And in these two movies, in the Kelvin era universe that have been produced by J.J. Abrams and his team, I have met so many new fans, either at conventions or through the Babel Conference or on Trek FM or on Facebook, that truly enjoy what these movies stand for and love the shot in the arm, if you will, that Star Trek has been given for a modern audience. As a, as a fandom, we love protecting what came before. That's our comfort zone, our security blanket, the way that we can come to terms with our daily lives. We can depend on our fandom. We can depend on that it won't let us down. The cast and crew that we have known to love will always be there for us in the way that we need them for us. But when you challenge that and, and try to improve on it or at least try to offer something new to the fandom, it is absolutely 100% uncomfortable for the fans that came before. We see that in many of the forums and we have felt that in the division, the division between a certain sect of fans and another sect of fans so much so that his it has probably caused the biggest rift in fandom that i have ever seen and it not, i'm not sure if that's going to heal over time or get worse over time that's not for me to say but as a fan of star trek i challenge you as a fan to at least try and keep your mind open as these new movies unfold and Embrace the fact that at least there is something new, there is something fresh, there is something that is challenging your fandom, and there is something that may inspire you to actually enjoy what you're watching. Now, we have covered, or I have covered, my feelings on 2009 and Into Darkness. And just to touch on Beyond for a moment, the first trailer of Beyond the quote-unquote Beastie Boys sabotage music trailer. I know that probably caused one of the greatest controversies in our modern Trek fandom that I have seen in a long time, probably even more so than Into Darkness because everyone that I have seen on social media, I'll loosely say everyone, not everyone, but a majority of the fans that I have seen on social media, when they responded to that video or that trailer, it was overwhelmingly negative. And I could not disagree with that sentiment more. Because it's not about the music, in my opinion, that the fans were really anchoring their distaste for. I think it was just that whatever we saw in that first trailer did not assuage the fears of what fans still couldn't reconcile in Star Trek 09 and Star Trek Into Darkness. It was not close enough to closing the gap between what fans wanted the original series to be in this third movie. So much so that they actually had they, what I mean by they is, or who I mean by they, Simon Pegg, Justin Lin, had to go on a social media campaign to explain away how that trailer was made, why that trailer showed what it did. Now, go all the way back to 2009, Sabotage, the Beastie Boys. That was there. That was there when young James T. Kirk was taking his uncle's car on a joyride. It's not that it wasn't there at all. It's just that we still, as fans, have not reconciled the fact that this is now the modern, original series universe. Prime universe notwithstanding. So, again, the trailer did not do and succeed where it really needed to, and that is to bring back and recapture the imagination of the fans that still have not come on board with this new Kelvin era. For me, however, though, I was 100% on board with it. Because I knew that a trailer is a trailer is a trailer. The reason why I bring this up is because now this takes me back all the way to the pre-2009 version of my fandom where I did not give that trailer a chance. I did not care for it at all, and it almost ended my fandom as as a Star Trek fan as I knew it because infinite diversity and infinite combinations does not mean that you just that you pick and choose whether or not the fandom works for you or whether or not it's working against you. You don't have to accept it all with an open mind and open heart. I mean, blindly in a sense. No one's asking us as fans to do that. No one's asking us as fans to welcome everything with open arms and open minds. But as Star Trek fans, we are expected, if we are following the tenets of Star Trek, to at least give it a chance, to at least understand the direction and the vision of where our stories are being taken. If it still doesn't resonate with you, that's fine. But at least be open-minded enough to give it a chance and to see if there is even a spark of interest, a spark of inspiration that allows you as a fan to be encouraged by where Star Trek can go because in my opinion with all of the with all of the setbacks that have happened throughout the course of 2016 to Star Trek and with the the unbelievably tragic and senseless death of Anton Yelchin a month before the premiere we as Star Trek fans owe it to the fandom to carry on a message of hope and positivity for our franchise. Even if you're not a fan of the original series, being able to promote Star Trek only gives us greater opportunities to get more Star Trek in the media, on screen, especially now as we head towards TV again in 2017. Do you realize that from 2005 to 2017, Star Trek has not been on the air At all So, except for syndication But that's not new Star Trek Or on Netflix or on your streaming But that's not new Star Trek I'm talking about new Brand new Week in, week out Star Trek So, as I wrap up this segment Of the Commodore's supplemental episode And and I thank Ken and Zach and Jeff For doing an excellent job on both shows On both Standard Orbit 133 and 134 as we, as we move closer to beyond. I want to challenge all of you out there with one simple request. Be a fan again. Be a fan and really embrace it again in your social media, in your circles of friends, I'm not saying that you're not a fan. I'm saying be that fan again. And I quote, I air quote fan, be that fan that your circle of friends draws inspiration from. As my circle of friends back in 2009 reminded me that I was the reason why most of them were Star Trek fans to begin with. Be that fan again. Anchor the fandom in your life and move forward in a positive way. That's what Star Trek is about. At least it is for me. So as I wrap this up, I just want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to you all again. I know that some of the topics that I have brought up in this short little 30 or so minute supplementary, these ideas will challenge you. And I know that some of you will disagree with what I'm saying, and that's okay. But... That's the, that's the celebration of diversity of being a Star Trek fan, to be able to have open and honest and intelligent dialogue and conversation about why we love this. I love Star Trek. I always have. I always will, in varying degrees, in varying forms, in varying intensities. But it is the backbone of my fandom and or one of the three pillars of my fandom as as a geek, as a nerd, as however you want to label it. This is what brought me to the table, to the dance. This is what brought me to the party. And I will continue to bring that enthusiasm as long as as long as long I believe that Star Trek resonates with me. And I hope that is for a very long time. So thank you everyone for listening to me uh, ramble on about my passion for Star Trek. And I am really looking forward to meeting a great deal of you at Star Trek Las Vegas. And I hope that you have a fantastic time and throw these fun parties and get togethers right before you go see star Trek beyond and please be active on the Babel conference with all of your enthusiasm and love for the movie. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you dislike, but let's all do it with respectful and honest and open dialogue. And, um, I think we're all going to have a really good time as we head to 2017 and star Trek, the next series. So, if you'd like to get in touch with me and you'd like to get to and talk to me about what I've been discussing in this supplemental, you can always find me on the Babel Conference. I post there pretty regularly, as many of you know. You can also find me on Facebook. That's Norman Lau on Facebook. You can also find me on Twitter at Starfighter1701. Thank you all and live long and prosper.